what we do here is go back, 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 back. Last thing, just because I've gotten a lot of shit for this. At the very end, can I say who Cowboy is? Uh, yes, of course. That's how we're going to end it. Welcome back to another edition of the Raider Take Podcast. I am Micah McDonald. With me as always is Andy McDonald. And I don't think Bill nor Ted could have expected the excellent adventure that we have witnessed in the first week of free agency. How are you feeling about this? Excellent. I am. Um, no, this is, uh, it's been crazy. It's been a lot of things going on. Um, this is probably the, the most detailed breakdown I think we've ever had just because of the, the names, the contracts. Um, we're excited. It's a jam-packed free agency episode. Um, we've had, you know, we just decided to keep the trend of Thursday recordings, you know, not like there was any issues, you know, doing it yesterday, maybe some technical difficulties, maybe some things happened that, you know, from an overhead perspective, we had to evaluate as a company. But here we are Thursday night. We um, have the night before March Madness kicks off, which is odd because it's usually Thursday. Um, so guys, get your vasectomies scheduled stat. Um, so you have the next couple weeks off for, for the madness. But let's get into a jam-packed breakdown of, of free agency um, just to give you an idea of where we're going here. So we are going to cover all things Raiders. We are back. It was fun to do the draft breakdown. It was fun to go through you know, each group. Um, you know, evaluating each prospect. It was it was nice to dive into college football, but we got to get back to Raider Nation. Um, got to get back to where we started. So we're going to go through briefly over who we re-signed from, who was a Raider, who we ended up bringing back, who was a Raider, who ended up leaving. Um, we had, you know, two trades, a couple of different folks just left in free agency. And then um, we'll actually break down who we brought on, who we've acquired in free agency um, from other teams, what their impact's going to be, um, and then also, you know, this is day three, I believe. What, what is it? Thursday? When did it start? What, Monday? Uh, tampering started Monday. Free agents agent started yesterday. But technically. Technically. Yeah. So it's been a long four days. Okay. But we're here. Um, but there's still some holes to fill within free agency. Um, and then we'll get into just overall takeaways. So let's get into it. So we have the players that we re-signed, um, six of them on offense two on defense. Um, so just to rock and roll, we got Richie Incognito, cut him, re-signed him. I predicted Jalen Rashard doing that. No big deal. Not the same, but you know, similar concept. Um, Nick Morrow brought him back. Um, one year deal, deal as well. Say Jones, Derek Carrier, Theo Riddick, um, hot seat Jalen Rashard again. Um, Daniel Carlson, big guy that we love to have. And then Jonathan Hankins and Denzel Good. So Quick thoughts there about who we brought back. Feeling good, feeling not great. How do you feel overall? Well, I feel good about it. One, because we figured out a way to solidify my breakout player of the year, kicker Daniel Carlson. But I feel good about it. My initial thought on free agency as far as the in-house guys was that Denzel Good was 1A and Nick Morrow was 1B. And uh, it, we you know, brought both of them back, biggest areas of needs within, you know, keeping our own guys, especially with how we've seen things pan out with trading Trent and a couple of the other people leaving that we're going to touch on in a minute. But I was overall as happy, glad we kept uh, Derek Carrier. He's light car, but a little car-er, you know, never mind. But yeah, no, I, I overall, I think it was good. Everybody that you look at on the people that we re-signed from, you know, kept in-house, it was all Spots of need and all, you know, very team-friendly deals. So, overall, happy with that. Not sure why we kept Theo Riddick. Yes. I think that, <laughs> you know, that just doesn't make sense outside of the fact that they are like, all right, we're going to cut Richard, so let's have a third person for now. But outside of that, you know, Riddick, Zay Jones, question marks on, you know, why we bring him back. But outside of that, everybody else, all other, uh, the, you know, six players there, Happy we brought him back. Great glue guys and, you know, people that are going to really fill in and contribute this year. So, 
Yeah, I, I agree. It's we we didn't chat as far as who we were pumped about it or who we you know were a little question on, but I agree with all that. So Zay Jones, theoretic, I don't, I'm fine with you know it's it's team friendly deal, so whatever. I think like you mentioned with if we cut Richard, then it's like okay, there's our true pure third down or third down scat back receiver you know out of the backfield, but also that's why we sign someone else who we'll talk about later, you know? So anyways, I agree. Zay Jones is depth. I think he's just a grinder. So Gruden loves those grinders, but everything else loved it. Um, there was a lot of panic, you know, trading um, Trent Brown or not trading. Uh, yeah. Trading Trent Brown and Hudson and Gabe. Right. So there's a lot of panic brought back. Richie brought back. Good. Good. Has some flexibility guard tackle as well. Um, Jonathan Hankins. Um, the only reason they resigned him was because it was Mel dreaming's breakout player of the year on defense um, and so Carlson, fine, whatever. He's great. I'm, I'm good with that. So I, I, I like the, I like the deals. Nick Morrow, obviously I think was critical bringing him back. So, but I think what's crazy is, you know, not, I mean, I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of one-year deals, right? So we're yeah. going to just go through this, you know, next year, or, you know, rarely do we see someone get extended who you could see would be Nick Morrow. If he's balling out like he was at the end of last year, if you, you, you could see them extend him um, before it even hits free agency. But same thing with Denzel Good. It's a two-year deal. They could extend him either this year or next year, what have you. But everything else is one-year deal. So I think you're just seeing that. Once again, it's a salary cap strapped NFL um, just with where the budget is, with where you know each team is at. So I agree with what you're saying, um, but I am happy with who we did bring back. Um, it's it, it makes you feel a little bit better <laughs> going into where – kind of how things started. So let's jump into who's left. So who left the Raiders? We had five players on offense, three on defense. So I'll roll through it real quick again. Gabe Jackson traded to Seattle for a fifth rounder. Rodney Hudson traded to the Cardinals for a third rounder, and we gave him a seventh. So it was Jackson, a seventh, and we got back a third for 2021, which is great value. We're not, I mean, you know, I'm happy we got something. Um, Aguilar, um, Aguilar went to New England. Tyrell Williams went to Detroit. Devontae Booker to the New York Giants. Eric Harris, Atlanta Falcons. Lamarcus Joyner, New York Jets. Good riddance. Tack McKinley to the Cleveland Browns. Takeaways there of whomst left. Yeah. So the, the, the who left list is literally the inverse of the, you know, people we kept list, where, whereas the people we kept, there was uh, six that I really like and two that I was, well, I guess it's actually the same. I'm going to take all of that back. It's going to be exactly the same. It's the inverse format, but yeah, also it's, it's the inverse. Inversed. Yes. It's oh. the inverse format, which means the layout is exactly the same. It's the inverse of the inverse. So two negatives make a positive. Water always finds its level. All of that, those things. Iron sharpens iron. Yes. Six of them perfectly fine with getting rid of Gabe Jackson understandable because of the the uh, the cap situation with him okay everybody thought like even last year thought this is a possibility it's something that might happen don't want it to happen but getting rid of rodney was just a complete just blow to the back of the head like where the hell did this come from and you know there was word out there that he had asked for the release and there was you know stuff talking about being i don't know about being mutual about you know him leaving but they you know he was asking wanting to kind of get out of there, I guess. And and they were willing to grant it to him and word got out and we ended up trading him for, like you said, a third rounder. So that was kind of uh, out of the blue. You know, it, like you said, it was nice that word came out, we were going to cut these guys. And what's funny is I, I kept seeing it on Twitter, them saying like, if it makes anybody feel any better, cutting Gabe and cutting Hudson hasn't been made official. It's just been announced that that's might be where they're going. And then all of a sudden you see, we get trade value for it. So if there was any silver lining to that aspect, it was like, Hey, we got some compensation back for it. So everybody else, you know, perfectly fine with them leaving. I was always very indifferent on Eric Harris. I really liked him at times, really hated him at other times. He's your Stuart Schweiger. Yeah. Yeah. And Actually, I think, no, I never I never liked Stuart Schweiger. So yeah, yeah. That's I, the I don't think it's the same. It also might be because he rocked the number 25, you know, my number as well, and is very keen on that number. So it may be that, but it may be the fact that he picked off Phillip Rivers like 16 times in one game. Who doesn't like that? He picked off Jacoby Brissett, took it to the house. I'm just saying, you know, I, I liked Harris and it was clear that he wasn't a starter. It, you know, he was he played so much better as a role player, but Anyways, 
those are my takeaways, my rambling on. Perfectly fine with everybody else that left. And, you know, here we are trying to rebuild the line again, change things up there and, and you know, in, in limbo and where that's going to head. But I'm glad we got the compensation that we did for those those guys that you hate to see go. Yeah, no, I, I think it's spot on again, my friend. Gabe, Rodney, I'll touch on in a second. Aguilar, we're going to pay the price. Um, Tyrell Williams, too big of a contract for his availability and production. Devontae Booker, RB2, whatever. Um, Harris, same thing, rotational guy, never was good enough to just entrench himself there. Joiner, everyone knows my thoughts. Tack McKinley, were you on the team? I'm not sure. <laughs> Did you play? Or was it just like he might suit up and then it was like a late Sunday morning scratch? But um, I think what is interesting just to look at the breakdown um, on who we resigned and then who left, you know, we resigned six offensive players and we let go of five, right? Or five of, five of them departed. We resigned two defensive players, three defensive players were gone, right? So when we get into who we've signed, spoiler, it's three and three as far as who we've acquired outside of our organization. So it's relatively balanced with how they're doing it. I know it's not to do it that way, but it's actually how they've lost. They've also brought in, you know, so I think that's interesting as it relates to the Gabe and Rodney, which you touched on the, they're going to be cut. And then we got some value. I think that's fine. I think I'm walking my take a little bit back from two weeks ago with, with Gabe in particular. So I've loved him for a long time and I think he's great. Okay. But let's not like, I think there's this, like there's the NFL fans and then there's each team's respective fan base, right? So let's just take the Raider Nation for a second. Gabe Jackson is a name that everyone loves, okay? Don't misinterpret that name based on production value. Was he a good guard? Yes. Was he a great guard? No. He wasn't healthy, right? For, you know, there were some hit, hits or misses about healthy. And he also wasn't like, an elite talent that was like a centerpiece. He was like good, you know, and I know you might, and I'm, I'm fine if you disagree, but check it out. It's all the cheerleader effect. It's because our O-line has never been great. And we've also rarely drafted well in the last 10 years and also rarely drafted well in the late rounds of someone that stuck. So we had Gabe Jackson in the third who then started for us and was great for a couple years. He had a couple, I mean, two years that he was injury prone a little bit, right? I know that there was one year he missed 10 games or something like that. And then it was like a handful. So I'm not going to say he's injury prone, but he, it, it wasn't this like full blown, like, holy shit, we have to, whatever I was, I did pound the table for him. Okay. I said, Hey, this guy's worth his seven, eight mil a year. Right. But if you think about it, where, if you start, focusing on where the transactions are going and who we're signing and, or where guards are going. You have to look at the market and say, are we willing to part ways with this salary? And the other part is like, you would have to give him a big salary because it's his first contract after his rookie deal. So I do think he was good. I don't think he was great to where it's like, I cannot believe we lost Gabe. And I don't want to get that confused. That's where, and I'm, I'm a victim of that too. I'm a victim of saying, whatever, but it's the cheerleader effect where it's been a revolving door. We haven't had great talent there. We haven't drafted well early, Robert gallery. We haven't drafted late and developed well. Okay. That's all been there. So I'm just saying the Gabe thing. I'm not saying I, I would have loved to keep him. Okay. But it's the cost, you know, the cost value association where it's like, what's it going to cost to what is it going to provide? And was that value actually what it is or was it misconstrued from from the perspective right that's it okay well so oh sorry were you were you gonna keep going i was just gonna say rodney hudson i miss you and, and I, I wish we never traded him but i know that there was a couple conflicting stories <laughs> the only thing i would say about that is that if there's something around like oh he kind of wanted out if you from everything that I've ever heard and from I would imagine you've ever heard about Rodney Hudson he's not a selfish player oh yeah he's not someone that forces his way out so if, if it got to that point, it was within reason. Yeah. If it didn't, and they're just making it to where it seems like, no, it was mutual, then no, dude, you were the dick. She broke up with you, you know? So I'm not calling Rodney Hudson a she. I'm just saying, 
I, I don't I don't believe it for a second, and I wish we never did it. So, give me your game take. I think I think you're ready to to battle me. Yeah, well, just to just to play uh, turn heel on what what you said. Yes, it was only till lately that he kind of had some issues with injury, and it is a what have you done for me lately type of league. But I think that since he's been drafted, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility to say that he was a top ten guard in the NFL during the times that he was at his peak. I'm not going to say he was that from day one, but, you know, and that's, that's probably part of the reason why they gave him a little bit of an extension. I think that he, he, I agree with what you're saying in the sense of like long-term, probably not necessarily worth having to give him a big contract, which they were probably inevitably going to have to, or just let him walk in free agency. I think that there's at least the possibility. And for all we know, this possibility was, uh, you know, explored, but he was definitely good enough to at least explore the possibility of, hey, let's maybe restructure and extend you a year or two, free up a bunch of cap space, which is why we're cutting him in the first place. But all in all, I'm not surprised. I I hate that it happened, and it's probably more so because I am. He was a fan favorite for me, you know. Ever yes. ever since you know he got gypped on that holding call for us to not beat the Patriots. The Patriots. <laughs> you know, I've been in his corner like, man, this young dude just. We've bullied. talked about that game a lot, actually, by the way. And it's such a one-off. Sorry, can, I'm going to let you keep talking. Can I just mention one thing? Yes. So I misspoke and he did get re-upped. I don't know why I said that. He got re-upped when DC got re-upped. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So yeah. he got re-upped. So I just want to clarify that. Continue. Yeah. So anyways, uh, my point being that I think that at one point in time, he was considered one of the better guards in the league for uh, you know at least a year or two stretch. He got extended because of that. He's always been a very reliable cog to our offensive line, and only as of recently has had some issues with injuries. Now, for all we know, he's just going to keep continue having injury problems and be something that we look back on and say, like, damn, yeah, maybe we should have cut him. But personally, it sucked that we got rid of him. It makes sense. I understand it. I'm not losing sleep over it, but you know, I think that there's a little bit of credit where credit is due and this is a business and it's just, you know, that, that be the T sometimes. Yes. Okay. I agree with you. Okay. I do. And I I'm also, it's, it's hard because I'm like, I'm saying this thing, but I'm also saying, I do, I wish we still had him sure and just yeah. taking it. Right. Yeah. But here's the thing you said, and I agree with this too. Like, Hey, there's an argument that he's a top 10 guard, right? It's not for sure. It's there's an argument. This could be potentially yeah. right. I might be shooting high on that. No, no, no. And I'm saying like, I'm like, yeah, I think I would, I would bang the table like top 10 guaranteed top 15. I would say that I'm like, he's a top 15 guard, but 32 teams, 64 guards, guards. <laughs> right? So, but, and that's, but that's a good praise, right? Do you know where he ranks in contract and hmm. salary? Contract salary among Cap guards. hit for next year. Cap hit for next year. He's probably third in the NFL. So he's seventh. Oh, okay. Okay. And so, and then the reason I'm saying this is not to like, Oh, to prove you wrong. It's, it's kind of like to support both our points. It's like, are you willing to do that? Right. Are you willing to say, Hey, arguably top 10. And if you feel good, like you do. And I do, it's like, yeah, I think he's top 10, you know, but if they don't, if they think he's 15 or 20, and if you think that you're getting paid at seven, right. You know, so it's, I, I think where I'm trying to say is that it's easy to sit you know, throwback at the O.co at the Coliseum, right? And just sit on the tailgate and just fucking talk ball pregame right before, right? Ready to rock. And then just bang the table for these guys. But he's a dude, okay? He's a good player. If he was an elite player, this is different, okay? I don't think he's injury prone. I think he's had recent injuries and I don't, I hope that doesn't happen. But getting paid top seven money, And that's for this year. And it goes up a little bit next year is how his contract is structured. So that's what they're getting off. And they're saying, we'll find, he can be a top 10, top 12 guard. We'll find a top 20 guard for half of it. Yeah. Because that's how it goes, right? The market goes from like 18, which is Joe Tooney. And then it's like 18, 15, 12, 11, 11. And there's Gabe at 11, right? It's like, and then it goes down to like seven, two more spots, you know? So like that market is actually pretty deep cliff. Anyways, we're talking about a lot about Gabe Jackson. I'm sorry. This is my fault, but good. I think it's, I, I just think it's something that you should it, in, in general say, 
why did we make this deal? Not yeah. like, fuck, I love Gabe. It's like, hey, why? Can you can you educate yourself on the other side of it? Yeah, agreed. Completely agreed. All right. That's why I said I'm just I could talk for eight years. But anyways. We can move on. Yes, we will move on from Gabe Jackson. Um, okay, who we've signed. You have the defense side of the ball. We had three big signings. Who do you got? Break it down, back it up. Yes, the first one overall and the biggest splash of them all, Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, two years, 26 million, 21 million guaranteed. Uh, you know, we were, we were connected with him last year as potential trade landing spot for him. Uh, the Jags dealt him to Minnesota and then Minnesota in turn was trying to deal him. Um, a lot of people wanted to give away a first round pick for him. Uh, he ended up going to Baltimore kind of as a, uh, a loner, uh, for the year. Cause he had one more year on his contract. They were a playoff team trying to bolster, you know, their defense to make a run. They ultimately didn't. But, yeah, I'm very excited about this. Um, I think that bringing him in, you know, you can't have too many good pass rushers. Um, you know, we need all the help we can get. It does pose some interesting things uh, along the defensive line on where certain people are going to go, you know, and how we're going to adjust some things. Maybe does it possibly open up something for some more people being cut? There's a lot of different things, and I think you're going to touch on that a little bit later on. But it's a very interesting signing. I'm really pumped about it. Uh, he's a Pro Bowl player that can really you know, get after the quarterback, and, and I'm excited to see how we incorporate him. Next up after that, we brought in Solomon Thomas uh, on a one-year $5 million deal. He was uh, drafted by the 49ers third overall in the 2017 draft, someone who hasn't really lived up to his draft spot. Uh, he got hurt last year, was out for the season. Um, this is kind of one of those things where, you know, we're happy that it's a team friendly deal. It's someone who's got a lot of upside. It's a big, low risk, high reward kind of situation. Um, you know, the defensive line, obviously, once again, another thing that, you know, something we need help on defensive tackles, edge guys, everything, just getting after the quarterback talent on the defensive line, big need going into this. So they really have addressed that. Literally all the guys I'm, I'm talking about are going to be defensive defense alignment, um, which goes into the, our last guy, defensive tackle, Quentin Jefferson, uh, one year, $3.25 million. I'm just going to put it out there right now. We, I'm going to give out a, a, a cool throne for uh, connect the dots Twitter because Quentin Jefferson Yannick Ngakwe both played on the same defensive line at the University of Maryland. So all those people that love to connect the dots on why things are going to work out because of X, Y, and Z, these guys played together in college, both got drafted in the NFL. They're going to put it together. They're going to come out here gripping and ripping. So cool throne, connect the dots, Twitter. This is a very good one to uh, roll with, but yeah, I really like all those signings. It's just, it's defensive line. Uh, that we need a lot of help on. And, and we kind of brought in a lot of help, very good contracts, you know, even with the Ngakwe, he got, like I said, two years, 26 mil. That's what Aguilar gotten uh, in new England as well. Uh, so I'd definitely rather give that to a pro bowl pass rusher than, you know, a iffy receiver that played well for us last year. So. Oh, I, I think you, as, as usual, hit, hit all of what I was thinking. Um, the Aguilar contract similar. I think when you look at it, um, 21 mil is guaranteed. So that's all you can take, right? So it's 10 and a half a year for sure. Um, you look at Carl Lawson, you look at Bud Dupree, both those guys got 15. So I think, you know, once again, spot on Solomon Thomas, I think the only thing that I would mention is that's, that's a move I didn't, didn't see us doing because we're not that smart. Um, and I think when you look across the league, you're like, God damn it, Patriots or, you know, why, why would this, you know, that's so smart of this team. Cause number it's, it's twofold. There's the, former top five first round picks, you know, that don't pan out and people take a flyer on AKA what's his name? Uh, Leonard Floyd for the Rams, right. Drafted yeah. by the bears top 10. And then there's also the got hurt in 20 or the, the prior year early and has low market value, but he's going to be fully healthy by training camp, you know? So there's both of those that they combined into one to a team friendly deal. So yeah, I agree with you there. Minor Inside setback for a major comeback. So. That's it. That's a good tagline. You just send that to him and see okay. if he <laughs> yeah. edits his bio. Um, well, no, I, I, I love it. I love the team friendly deals. I love the bolstering the D line with, you know, adding some depth there. So I'll get into the offense side of the ball. We have um, John Brown signed him one year, 3.75 mil. 
he's really good when he's there. He's been hurt a lot, but when he has been fully healthy, only played two full seasons, gone over a thousand yards. He's, I think he's averaging 14, 15 yards a catch, which, so that's someone that we need that can, and it's not really to take the top off the defense, but he's someone that it's, it's the, the drag over the middle that he turns up the field. It's, it's the, you know, corner route that he makes a play toe touches on the sideline, you know, um, he can do a lot that I think what we envision rugs to do, which is why it was a little surprising. You're like, Oh, I think we would lean Juju or maybe a bigger body possession receiver, but it's also the Raiders where it's like, they see that in Brian Edwards to be that role. So they wanted to just add more speed, add more weapons um, in that sense. So I think he's going to be good. Um, there's, you know, 3.25, three mil, right. For, for someone that was a two or a three for the bills, but for, for the receiving core for what he's going to add, I think it's a steal. So um, Kenyon Drake was a big one today, two years. Um, you gave me the details before this two years, 14 and a half, 11 guaranteed. So 14 and a half is incentive based, um, but 11 guaranteed. So, you know, you can look at it one of two ways. You can say, well, is this giving, you know, what does this say about Josh Jacobs? Everything that I've heard at least, and you can obviously touch on what you've heard as well, but going to be able to take some of his, you know, load a little bit, some of that share. Um, but also they're going to incorporate him throughout the offense and make it more of a, you know, kind of that basketball approach that we talk about. So he's going to, he's going to be there. He's going to be there situationally. I think he fits the scheme from a running back perspective. He's really great out of the backfield. Um, a lot more polished of a route runner than Jacobs. I know that's something he's working on, but take the load off him a little bit, justify some of those carries that we questioned with Devonte Booker throughout the year. This is something too, that I was talking with someone and we were conversing and this came up. So I don't want to say that it was all my idea because it wasn't, this was his take as he said, Josh Jacobs is coming up on an extension, right? So a rookie deal from two years ago. So this is going to be his third year. And then it's usually year four. He's the first round guy because they have the five, five round or five year option, whatever this could, if he can come in and make an impact and this is terrible, right? But take away from Jacobs's numbers that can lower the market value expectation around what Jacobs would then get extended just something to consider. And I won't name his name. We may interview him at some point, but it was, it was something he shared with me. I'm like, that's a fantastic point. So, but also something that's going to justify someone else getting carries when we give Jacobs the break that we do. So last one, not going to touch on it much. Nick Martin, um, Texans center, um, Andre James, you have some competition, um, but he's, he's someone that have, was consistent with the Texans. He's good, good filler, plug him in there. You're not Rodney Hudson, so I don't love you, but Nick Martin, fine. Thoughts on the offensive side there? Yeah, so a lot of thoughts there. Um, so starting with the John Brown situation, I, I think they look at that and see, okay, John Brown is what they would like uh, as far as how he fits um, and where he's really, you know, made his money is how they kind of, you know, view rugs in it. Just rugs being a little more dynamic, kind of how you mentioned. So I feel like bringing him in not only allows to get some good talent at the receiver, but also really mentor rugs and kind of bring him along and kind of, you know, John Brown learns the playbook, learns all these nuances, all the things he can go in there and, you know, rugs can, you know, essentially learn from him. You got another speedy guy that, can free up rugs or rugs can free up him. You know, we saw rugs acting as a decoy a lot, you know, maybe that John Brown ends up being a little more of a decoy and rugs ends up, you know, getting the, the Aguilar type, uh, you know, looks and, and touches and stuff. Um, on the Kenyon Drake side of things, that is a very interesting take. You know, I am all about, I will tell you right now, I will always, I don't want to root for that. Some, that thing to happen. I'm not going to say I'm rooting for Josh Jacobs, a value to get knocked down, but I will always root for the wild conspiracy theory over just like the boring, normal take on things. So not that I want that to happen, but you know, I'm here for the, the contemplating of that happening. Um, I looked at it as, you know, we saw Devonte Booker came in and he was a good RB two was good by all accounts spelling Jacobs. When he got the time, Jacobs had some injury issues Booker came in and he couldn't be that number one guy. He he couldn't, you know, take the 20 carries and be that number one guy while Jacobs was out. I think you look at Drake and I think he's going to not only be a good RB2 and do well in what we 
put him in there for, but he's also can take over that number one running back role if Jacobs does go out. So you're looking at, you know, a rich man's version of Devontae Booker. That's going to be a lot better and a lot more consistent, whether, you know, he has to start because of injury or he is, you know, that second guy to spell him a little bit. So um, very interesting, very excited to see what happens. As we mentioned, um, Jalen Shard's probably odd man out, but I don't know. I'm all for it. You know, can't have too many weapons on the offense. Gruden's uh, the best defense Gruden has is a really good offense. So, yeah, no, I, I think that's, I, I love the John Brown thing where it's like, it's a mentor to rugs. Cause that's what he's going to like, what he wants to be, if not better. And then also when you have both of them on the field, it's not, you know, you have to account for both. So it's not just rugs is the deep threat. You know, I think that's a great point. So going into holes to fill, where are we at now, right? So we just went through everything, who we resigned, who left, who we picked up in free agency outside of the organization. What are some holes to fill that you see? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing that uh, we see as far as holds to fill really is in the secondary. Something going into the season that was a huge need and is still a huge need is free safety. Uh, I think someone we could go out there and target is Anthony Harris, formerly of Minnesota Vikings. Someone that is starting to get a little older. I want to say he's turning 30, 31, somewhere around there. But he's still very efficient, puts out product. He's a good player. So getting someone, you know, we've seen so many times the Raiders bring in these vet guys for, you know, good locker room stuff. But they're not really like the biggest producers. You know what I mean? It's like they've had some success, but they're really just role players. We could go bring in Anthony Harris. He can be a starter out there. He can also be that vet guy in the locker room. So I think that would be a good place to target um, a free safety. Transitioning into kind of that middle section when it comes to like cornerbacks, um, Richard Sherman's out there. And I say that middle section because he can play corner. He could very well transition to place safety as well. You kind of not by no means comparing the two players, but comparing the situation. Charles Woodson transitioned to a safety uh, later in his career and had great success doing so. So getting someone like Sherman there, very knowledgeable, great player, Pro Bowl player when he was in his prime, kind of getting in there, getting that DB room uh, would be fantastic, whether he rotated in at corner or whether he ended up playing safety. Um, and then the last guy uh, to touch on quickly, the Bears released Cal Fuller. So talked about previously um, how... JC Horn got my Kyle Fuller uh, player comparison. Uh, I, he, you know, he's someone that was kind of more of a cap casualty in the situation. He, he'd been playing well. He was a great, you know, good player for the Bears. You know, obviously wasn't any, anything that was so, you know, standout-ish to where they were willing to keep his contract and all that stuff. But by all means, kind of a vet guy that could come in and, and uh, same as Harris, you know, probably give us very good production while also being kind of a, you know, a savvy vet in the locker room. So, um, I think the secondary uh, is by and large, it's, I mean, we didn't address it whatsoever in free agency yet. So, um, you know, D line secondary, two biggest things we talked, you know, talked about prior to this, we addressed the D line a lot uh, and didn't do anything with the secondary. So secondary would be my top pick free safety specifically, and then some corner depth. Yeah, I, I think that's, yeah, that's great. And and really, it, it's, it's all about the market. And I'm surprised that, once again, the Raiders are actually playing the market. They're saying, hey, there's a lot of depth out there. You know, you mentioned three good names. There's there's many more that are back there that, that could fill those voids on shorter deals. Um, I think the three that you mentioned are some ones that we should really target. But they knew that the D-line and the pass rush, they were going to fly off. So let's invest, invest smart. Um, and understand that this market, just like the wide receiver market, is going to take a little bit of time. So, um, no, I love that. And I think Kyle Fuller had, um, it was like a $20 million cap hit. So you're like, hey, he's good. Yeah. But it's like, is he 20 mil, you know? so yeah. Same with Gabe. Like, we were just talking about Gabe, you know. Is the, is the money worth it? Gabe. I know. I'm, I'm sorry I brought it back keep, up. I'm going to keep Sorry I brought it back up. I'm gonna, it was basically, just to go back to the game thing for a second, I was basically battling myself. Yeah. And you were like, kind of like intervening, you know? And I was like fighting with two sides of Andy there. Anywho. Spy versus spy. <laughs> exactly. So for me, um, I think that there is still some depth to fill at the O-line. So as much as we, we, we did solve some things with bringing in Nick Martin, brought back incognito and good. I think that's good but not great. I think we do need to bring in, if we could bring in a, a tackle like a Mitchell Schwartz, like a Riley Reef or an Eric Fisher, 
I, I do know that Fisher and Reef particularly can slot in at guard, um, have played there before. That allows us to use good, um, Denzel good as, as a guard or tackle. We could figure out what, what fits best. So if that's not the case, then that, that means one of two things. We're either going to draft one or we're going to bring Micah's guy, John Simpson, up and, and have him start. So either way, I think it would just be kind of cherry on top, give us more options and not be forced to make a draft selection. So um, that's where I go with holes to fill. But anything there or if not, we can move on to closing this thing out. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't really have any thoughts because we're kind of about to transition into our takeaways from the whole thing and, and the offensive line kind of um, rolls into what my kind of final thought on free agency and, and overall takeaway is. And that's where do we go at 17 now that all of this has has happened? And, you know, it, it's one of those things where we got to let the, de- the dust settle uh, once everything is done to see exactly what we've addressed, who we've addressed with. Does that fix something that we need that we can then either, you know, disregard from our uh, draft board or, you know, look into pushing it back in the later rounds, what have you. Uh, I don't think our plan at 17 changes a crazy amount outside of if one of the top offensive tackles is there on the board, you know, it might be hard to pass up on. I think you're looking at it. I think that it also, okay, well, um, so I'm just going to, you know, backtrack on what I just said. I think it changes a decent amount because I was just about to add two different positions that are now in play, (laughs) which means that it changed a lot. So anyways, I think that, you know, someone like uh, Trayvon Morig, like you touched on when we did the things, I mean, he very well could be a play at 17. I don't like the idea of taking a safety that high. And we've talked about this before, but we were all ready and like willing and like pissed about it now that we didn't take Derwin James. So we didn't take him at 15 and we look back at him and we're pissed. And I'm not necessarily comparing the two guys, but you're talking about a free safety, someone like that, that can do everything and is going to be the best talent at the position and, you know, potentially uh, elite player for years to come. If, if he can, you know, step into a role like that, I, you know, it's hard to think about he'll be there. That's the thing is that he's more than likely he's for sure going to be there. Another thing you see someone like a Rashawn Slater drop to that point. I don't know if he will, but you seriously got to consider the possibility of, taking a tackle there because these top three or four tackles are, are pretty elite, you know, probably a top three, but you know, if one of them drops to that point, it's like, it's hard not to take it. You know, we saw them mm-hmm. take Colton, which we weren't really, it was kind of like, it was the same draft with Derwin, man. Yeah. That's the, yeah. I'd keep referring back to that because we took him instead of Derwin, but you know, I had not, a hard time. Yes. Back to back Because it's not a sexy pick. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. It's not like, Ooh, we went out and got our, you know, linebacker of the future or we got mm-hmm. our, you know, center fielder on the defense at free safety or whatever it is. It's like an offensive tackle. <laughs> and it's like, oh, great. We spent a first round on offensive tackle after we just traded away our, you know, the one we gave money to. But regardless, I think within a span of like 15 seconds, was it? I decided that it doesn't change. And then it also changes a lot. So I think at 17, there's more things in play. I don't know if the game plan changes a whole lot outside of the fact, like you just got to consider some things now. You know, certain positions got to be considered there at at some point in time. I think it just adds some more wrinkles into things. You know, really the offensive line being shuffled around so much adds that extra wrinkle of, you know, do we take a tackle at that spot? But yeah, it's just, you know, a lot going on. Like I said, got to kind of let the dust settle, really assess it afterwards on, all right, we have our list of guys we brought in. How does that affect the draft? But where we sit as of right now, first week, that's my thoughts. No, I think it's great. I think I would say, you know, hot seat is probably D tackle at 17. I think we address that enough to where we don't have to reach necessarily because there's not an elite guy. Um, cool throne would probably be really just our content for a draft. You know, we have a month now and there add adds more wrinkles that gives us more content to discuss about different, different players. So I think that's great. Um, my, my final thought with with the Raiders for agency, we'll have two. One is Raiders, one's not. And I said I would be quick, and I promise I will. So D-line shuffle, I think that is going to be interesting. Currently, um, before all this, Max, Klee, um, we had to bring back Hankins. Um, you know, we have Mohurst, things like that. So brought back Hankins, brought in Quentin Jefferson. I still have Nassib. How they formulate that, what that rotation looks like, what that starting line looks like is going to be interesting. 
So that's my take. I think it will be, it's a good thing, um, but I'm interested to see how they formulate that in this new scheme. My wide receiver market take, okay? I'm going to go on record and say, if you can give, if you could give me basically from tier two to tier four of the wide receiver market. So eliminate the, the Galladay and even the Juju's like a, a right around there, but anytime a free agent or like a wide receiver hits the market, there's the tier, right? It's like the Galladay is going to sign for this much. I think everyone in between that is going to start being valued like the running back market. Okay. So the running back has historically gone down. The market itself has gone down as far as value, as far as extending people, giving them a second contract or what you bring them in for as a running back. Think of Kenyon Drake, five and a half mil. We let go of Devonte Booker. He signed for three or four mil, right? Not a ton of money in cap space. I think that market is going to continue to go down and be in that bracket because it is no longer about we have to have these two studs at wide receiver. It's you have your alpha if you have them, and there's a lot of teams that don't. I'm not going to run through the teams because it's got to be quick, but you, it's like, think about it. You have your Julio Joneses, sure. You have your Hopkins and your Devontae Adams. Everyone else is just, it's a basketball team, okay? We've referenced that a couple of times, but it's like, who's your point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center, whatever, right? It's all about how do we put these guys into our offense and then how do they operate? So because there's so many different ways to move it around and fit people, you think Brian Edwards is your, he's your power forward. You have Henry Ruggs, shooting guard. You have Renfro, point guard, just because I like him. Um, you know what I'm saying? You have these guys that you mix and intertwine and the cap is not big and it's not like we have to overspend Sammy Watkins for 10 mil, 11 mil, right? So I just think that the value in the market is going down because of the way the NFL is going. That's my take. And I'm done. That was pretty quick. Yeah, that was quick. And I absolutely love that take. I'm going to be honest with you because we've talked about before that it's like, you don't have to have like people think like, okay, you got to have this prototypical Calvin Johnson style, you know, not exactly him, but the big dude, the big bodied type of person. And then you got to have your fast speedy guy, or you have a couple of those guys sound like an old record but look at the chiefs i mean they've just got a bunch of people who can make plays happen you know mm -hmm. and it's like some guys are bigger than other guys but it's not like they get, went out and like got some certain people you know what i mean like they, i think they have i think five of the receivers i think four out of the five of the receivers are just clones of each other <laughs> they are. yeah tyreek hill and uh, michael hardman are the same person and then denard robinson and Pringle McCringleberry are like the same people, and it's like Nard Robinson is, is shoelace from Michigan, by the way. The what? last guy oh, yeah. on the cover of NCAA. yeah, yeah, Demarcus Our, Robinson, I believe. <laughs> yeah, whatever, you get my drift. I, I get what you're saying. They've just got guys that are fast that can make plays, so it's like that that whole like label a receiver is this, you know, the prototypical X, your prototypical Z. That stuff isn't really mattering that much anymore. I mean, hell, running backs are playing in the slot and lining up those. It's just, do you have a playmaker that can make plays when they get the ball in their hands? And so I really like that take a lot that the wide receiver position, as much as the NFL is a passing league now, the wide receiver position, we probably will see devaluation outside of the elite players that can do anything and everything like Tyreek Hill is now. You've just got a bunch of guys that can probably do well if you plug them in the right system kind of thing. And yeah. And the last thing I will say, sorry, I forgot to mention this, but look at the draft class. Look yeah. at the draft classes over the last couple, two or three years. Just take them. You are getting significant value as the fourth and fifth wide receiver. Justin Jefferson last year, number four taken in the draft as a wide receiver. It's like the depth is insane. So if you look at free agency and say, do I want to spend 11 mil on Nelson Aguilar? Sorry, he was good for us, but whatever. Or do I take someone in the second or third round and develop? And it's the same, you know what I'm saying? Like the talent that's coming in is crazy. The market's not good. And the fit is whatever the hell you want to do it. Kyle Shanahan can do whatever he wants with Kendrick Bourne. Yeah. Now he's on the Jets, right? But that's the theory and that's the logic behind it. We're going to move on. We're almost closing out. March Madness is coming up. Starts yes. tomorrow, Friday, like we mentioned. Tonight was the playing games. We have the 64. I just want to know who's winning it all. 
Yeah, for me, um, I'm taking Illinois to win it all. And there are only two reasons why. Uh, first one being that they are the number one team I've heard the most about when it comes to Twitter. Um, I zero knowledge of college basketball this year. Didn't watch much of it. I think people love Gonzaga so much that that means they're just going to lose, uh, which means Illinois is going to win for whatever reason. Also, I've like low-key, f- not followed Illinois, but always kind of just like turned on Illinois football whenever you know I saw it on randomly because back in 2004, the Raiders had a linebacker, Danny Clark, who wore number 55, and that was my jersey in high school. 2004, I was 14 years old. Freshman in high school, you know, very impressionable at that time. Raiders player, number 55. I wore number 55. Absolutely loved it. He went to Illinois, played in Illinois. I've got zero connection to Illinois outside of a Raiders player who wore my number that only played for us for two years. So backtracking to college basketball, that has nothing to do with college football or the Raiders. Illinois is going to win it all. So heard it here first. I love it um, for many reasons, um, but I will... I will tell you, I am going Gonzaga. And the only reason is because they have been number one for like the last eight years. And then there was no March Madness last year. They could never, they haven't even made it to a final four. And then undefeated, no March Madness. I think they win it all and they go undefeated. And I have them beating Illinois. So this is going to be some good, yeah, this is going to be some good, um, some good talk. I would say whoever wins wins this matchup with it'll be pretty impressive so let's get to um one of our last things we have something you brought to my attention right before we started recording so we had to include it there is the march madness bracket of 90s movies um i'm gonna lay it out with what we're gonna be doing and then i just want you to throw a couple just if you have it on you a couple matchups just one or two just to get the fans going but it's a march madness bracket 64 movie breakdown um, of movies from the 90s and they compete against each other but this is how it's going to go is we will fill out our own bracket Um, we are our 90s babies and we also will base the results of the college basketball march madness off of this bracket so what we will reveal to you all next week is the results from college basketball from a seeding perspective and how it turned out for this movie bracket. So there's going to be some data entry on our end um, and some tracking to go, but um, I think it'll be fun and it'll be relative because we are nineties babies and we love movies and references mostly. So that's what we got. Can you give us just an idea, one or two matchups that stick out to you? I'll actually give you one from each division. So um, out of the out of the north, um, one that stands out to me, we've got uh, the Big Lebowski at a three seed going against Mrs. Doubtfire at a fourteen seed, which is is going to be yeah, it's going to be a big one, pretty wild. In the south, we've got, and this one this one might be it's tough. This one might be if I'm filling it out, I, I'm I'm going to bounce back and forth on possibly an upset. We've got Home Alone, Home Alone at Home Alone. eleven seed. Uh, with office space at a six seed, Ooh, <laughs> and it's one of tough. it's one of those things that's very tough. You look at Home Alone, you could label that as a Christmas movie, but it is you know that it plays all year long. But mm-hmm. out of the East, um, it's pretty chalk. I would say, I'm telling you right now, these these two movies, the fact that they got pegged against each other, couldn't be the like more opposite. I'm not saying it's a question, a whole lot of a question mark, but we've got Boys in the Hood at a seven seed, going up, <laughs> going up against My Girl at a ten seed. <laughs> so you've got Dan Dan Aykroyd and um, Macaulay Culkin in My Girl against Cuba Gooding Jr. and Ice Cube. Um, so that's a wild one right there. Coming out of the West, I think one of the ones that stands out to me the most is Sandlot at a eight seed going against seven at a nine seed. Um, so you got the good, fun family kids movie going against Brad Pitt. You know what's in the box. So 
this kind of bracket, disrespectful that the movie seven was not a seven seed, you know, just for, yeah, I feel like that's tough to not just plug it in there. <laughs> at least. Yeah. <laughs> like for no other reason, but the fact that the, le- the numbers in the actual name, like the, there, there's no committee that's, you know, that's actually force ranking this based off of, you know, but we got to stick to where it is. Yeah. So this bracket chock full of insane matchups. Those are, you know, the four that kind of stood out to us. It's fantastic. It's something that came across Twitter. Huge cool throne for bracket season. People are running brackets for anything and everything. 90s movies like this. Thought it would be a great one to, you know, ponder ourselves. I'm sure everyone out there listening to us, um, you know, is is feeling the same way we do as far as the nostalgia behind this kind of list. So it's going to be fun. Can't wait for it. Um, By the time the next pod comes out, we'll be in a a week into March Madness. So we will be doing some... uh, some live updates so yep i love it um, i'm excited for that that'll be good good stuff um well let's close it out i'll let you take us away here but the, before i go I've, I've had a i've had a lot of pushback i've had some people get at me a little bit you know throughout the year there was this battle between b bauer and cowboy and i think it's time that i finally unveil cowboy so here we go cowboy i know you're listening b bauer Kate Bauer, I know you guys are listening, but the true identity of Cub Boy is So I hope you guys are happy. You finally know who Cub Boy is. Um, you finally know who this individual is. You have their identity. That was a gift to you all. And I hope you enjoy that. So that's where I want to leave us. Raider Nation stand up, free agency. We are rocking and rolling. All of our hot takes, all of our key players that are out there, holds to fill. Um, that is probably going to change within the next 24 hours, but that's why we love it. We've got March Madness. We have free agency madness. I'm excited for everything that's going on. So, Micah, that's all I got. Peace out. Raider Nation, love you guys. As always, we appreciate the love. Share, subscribe, rate, review. If you're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, give us those five stars. Um, and just keep supporting the pod. We appreciate everything. Uh, we love bringing this kind of content for you. By far one of our uh, most complex podcasts we've put out as far as information, but it was fun going every over everything. Got a lot more to, you know, to touch on as we get closer to the draft, but it's fun stuff. We hope you appreciate the content and uh, we'll see y'all next week. Peace out.